All right, as we have been mentioning, uh, we are beginning a new series here for the next four weeks titled Core. And we're going to talk about some of the things that are just at the center of who we are and what God is calling us to be and do as his people in this space and in this time. And we've chosen these four words. You heard Sarah do them from memory a moment ago. Good job, by the way. Good way to remember them. You can see them on your screens. They are community, uh, uh, boldness, joy, and empowering. And we worked kind of hard to get these words, and we're excited to kind of share them with you and explore week by week for the next four weeks what these mean and, and, and why God is calling us to lean into these uh, areas of uniqueness, and we pray strength. And we're going to start with community. Uh, one of the things that I love about St. Peter, we just mentioned that Sarah and I, we were gone for a while for two months on this thing called sabbatical, and that was awesome. Uh, one of the things I love about the St. Peter community is how much uh, love and care and support there is for one another here. Whether you've been here for generations, uh, and, and some of you may know this, St. Peter goes, goes all the way back to the Civil War area, the 1860s and when our church first got started. And, and, and so there are some families that trace their history here back all the way to that time. Others of you are brand new, or maybe you're here for the first time today and you're just learning about this community. But, but one of the things that I've discovered and I've experienced myself is, is, is oftentimes when life is at its worst, the community here, the family, the St. Peter family is at its best. And it's, and it's expressed through uh, just reaching out maybe for prayer, uh, or, or sitting together uh, over coffee and having a conversation or, uh, or another beverage of choice. Or it's a shared meal or it's, it's help with rides to and from school or from the airport. It's, it's working in backyards and, and helping repair things that are broken. And, and as I've said, oftentimes when life is at its worst, the family, the community here at St. Peter is at its best. Now, now, no community is perfect, and we're going to touch on that a little bit today as well. Uh, every community is affected by sin. There's sometimes division, sometimes there's brokenness, sometimes they're just simply distractions, and so we're going to talk about them today as well. Uh, and, and here's how we're going to handle it. Here's our big idea we're going to try to unpack in our message. Uh, more than anything else, like I've been saying, St. Peter is a family. That is, women and men, girls and boys who are sharing life together as we follow Jesus which is exactly what we see Jesus doing in the Gospels and what we see the early church doing too. And while there are all sorts of distractions to, to true community, and while there may be divisions caused by sin, we should never give up pursuing true, authentic, deep relationships with fellow believers, those who are part of the family of faith, as well as those who are, as we like to say, close to us but far from Jesus. So we're going to start out with the first part, and to do that, I'm going to take you back to the Gospels and the stories of the life of Jesus. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the Bible or the, the life of Jesus, but if you are at least a little familiar, you know that Jesus liked to hang around with people. Um, it wasn't very often that he was alone. There were a few times, and, and there is a space and a time to, to step aside and, and to experience aloneness especially for prayer and for study of God's word. And so Jesus would do that right before he'd go to do something really major in the kingdom. He would often step aside in time for prayer. But then it always came back to community. And so he would surround himself with women and men who were his followers, his disciples, who would journey with him through life. 
He invited at least 12 of them to be his disciples. And what that meant, it's a little different in our context today, but what that meant is that they would set aside their jobs, their career aspirations, uh, some of even their family relationships in order to literally go where he went, uh, stay where he stayed, sleep when he slept, walk when he walked, ate when he ate, and, and, and literally seeking to imitate him. That's what a rabbi would do with his disciples. And what we also see in the Gospels is Jesus uh, engaging in community uh, often over meals, right? And, and for us, uh, we often will find community in, in shared food and, and other things as well. I want to take you back to one occasion in particular. You can see the picture on the screen just now where Jesus uh, shares a meal with some of the apostles, uh, let me read for you this passage. It's from John chapter 21. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you may want to find your way there. If not, just listen as I tell you the story of Jesus seeking out his friends, his disciples, and sharing community with them. Okay? John chapter 21 is after Jesus' death and resurrection, so he is now raised from the dead. And what we see him doing is seeking out, tracking down, and finding all of his disciples so he might dwell with them before he returned to heaven on Ascension Day. So this kind of falls in between resurrection and Ascension Day and one of these visits. After Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, that's what happened just before in John 20, and he revealed, him, he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, who's also called the twin, uh, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples. We don't know who they were, uh, but these seven were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Any fishermen in the room, just real quick, or fisherwomen? There's a few of you out there. Okay, we were out west as part of our travels this summer. We went to Yellowstone, and we were told that they have some of the best trout fishing water out there in the world. So um, I like the thought of fishing more than the act of fishing, generally speaking. <laughs> so uh, we didn't try to do fishing, but uh, some of you can relate to fishing. Uh, Peter, before he was called to be a disciple, was a professional fisherman. He and his brother Andrew and James and John, they seemed to have a small business. And what they would do is they would go out, usually at night, they would fish, and then they would sell them uh, to the community in the morning. So uh, he just went back to doing what he knew best. And, and all the others said to him, we'll go with you too. So they went out, and they got out in the boat, and they went out all night. But, but John tells us they didn't catch anything, right? Now, that's pretty unusual because the Sea of Tiberias, as John called it here, also the Sea of Galilee, the same body of water, uh, is an abundant place of life, of fish. There's, there's uh, plants and, uh, and, and animal life all surrounding. It's really a beautiful place. So it's unusual that they'd catch nothing. Uh, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now, maybe it was because he was a ways away. We're going to find out it was about 300 feet away, 1,000 yards, like a football field away, right? Um, and, uh, or maybe he was just kind of obscuring himself because he wasn't ready to reveal who he was. I don't know. But they, they didn't know who it was. Um, but he called out to them, children, do you have any fish? And uh, they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some fish. Now, here's one thing I do. I'm, like I said, I'm not really a fisherman myself, but I know a thing or two about some people who are. And they love to ask each other where the fishing's good, right? 
right? Have you, have you been catching over in that hole over there today or uh, under that tree or what's biting or what lures are working today, right? That's just, I think, what fisher people say to each other. But um, so, so maybe that's what you did when you're fishing off a boat. I don't know. But you can imagine if you're the professionals out on a boat and you've not caught anything and it's almost morning and you're like, my boat's empty, my nets are empty, my, my belly's empty, uh, my hopes maybe are empty too. They're like, what's this random dude on the beach know that I don't know? But for whatever reason, they said, okay. And they, and they threw their net over the other side of the boat. And if you know the story, you, you know what happens. They, they go to pull it in and there is so much in the net, so many fish, they can't even pull it into the boat, okay? And it's in that moment that one of those in the boat, John, he's called the beloved disciple in, in, this, in this gospel, he recognizes who it is that's on the shore. It's Jesus. And he says to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped down for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Don't you just love that? He threw himself into the sea. Do you guys remember earlier in the Gospels, Jesus walking on water? Um, and it was, it was kind of a crazy scene. He walks out on water and the disciples are like, what's going on? People don't normally walk on water. Because, I don't know if you know this, the Galilee is not like the Midwest. So they don't get frozen over bodies of water. So you can walk on water when it's frozen, right? But not normally when it's not. And so... Peter sees Jesus walking in the water. Do you remember what he does? He says, um, uh, Lord, I want to come out and walk on the water with you. Do you remember that moment? And he kind of steps out on the boat, and he's walking on the water just a little bit, and then he starts to doubt himself and lose faith, and he starts to sink down, and Jesus saves him. Do you remember that story? Right? Um, that's always in the back of my mind when I read this, because because Peter's grown up a little bit, and he's learned another thing or two about Jesus, and he's so desperate to be with his friend that he's just going to throw himself into the water, right? That's one of the aspects of community that I think is super powerful is just this magnetic pull towards uh, the people that God has put in our lives, where God wants us to be together and, and, and to, to seek each other out, just like we see Jesus doing to his friends, in fact, if we go back to the very beginning of the Bible, one of the first things God says about community is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, where he says, it's not good for Adam, the man, the only one at that time, to be alone. And so he made a helper, a wife for him, Eve, and created the first family, the first community. And, and what we know to be true is that loneliness and isolation can be devastating to us mentally, uh, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. And unfortunately, in the last year and a half or so, we've all experienced that to one degree or another, haven't we? Ha having to, to be isolated from our family and friends. Maybe some of you had loved ones who were sick, or maybe you even lost loved ones, and you couldn't even go see them. I'm thinking of some friends of mine uh, from Africa uh, who passed away during the pandemic, and, and I never got to go say goodbye. I never got to go to a funeral. And uh, when I'm there next, I want to go to their graves and, and just thank God for their lives and, and the fact that they're now in heaven. Or I'm thinking of some friends here from the church community who were sick and passed away in the hospitals. And just, you guys have heard stories and maybe you've lived this to some degree, just the, the devastating effect that isolation can have on us as human beings. You also are familiar with the CDC now, right? 
Everybody, unfortunately, we know the CDC is the Center for Disease Control. Uh, they do really important work, but they, they released a report a number of years ago on the, the dangers of isolation and loneliness. And, and what they concluded is that every form of premature death, the risk goes way up if, if you experience isolation and, so, and, and loneliness for too long. Uh, and so that would be, you know, uh, stroke or heart disease. The risk of that goes up by like 20, 30 percent. Uh, for, for people, especially uh, as they get older, the risk of dementia goes up by 50% if you experience a long season of isolation. Uh, other things like anxiety, depression, and suicide, they just start to skyrocket. Why? Because we're not meant to be alone. Now, some of you, uh, you say, hey, wait a minute, I like to be alone. <laughs> That's okay. There's a time and a space. Like Jesus would go off by himself sometimes to pray right? Some of you are introverts, and you're like, you get exhausted by other human beings. That's okay. You're normal. God made you that way, right? And, and so maybe you take community in different doses. Uh, if you're like me and my wife, we, we're extroverts maybe on the other end of the spectrum, so like we have to remind ourselves sometimes it's okay to not have friends over all the time, right? But, but uh, that, that actually made our sabbatical a little challenging because so many of you are our friends, and we were trying to stay away, but uh, we're glad to be back. Uh, so, so maybe you prefer a little more quiet time. Uh, that's okay, as long as you don't stay alone and, and try to live life alone. God wants us to experience community, life together. And, and so we see Peter leaping off the boat into the water to go be with his friend. Okay, so stick with me because it gets even better as we go forward. So, so Peter's out of the boat. He's swimming to the shore. I mean, he leaves the others behind with the, the net and the boat and the fish, but they, they sorted it out. And when they got to land, verse 9, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter went on the boat hauled in the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, John notes, the net wasn't even torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, no, no one of the disciples dared ask him, who are you in that moment? Because they knew it was the Lord. Now, um, some of you have probably been taught breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You guys heard that before, right? Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I'm not sure if that's like CDC and like scientifically backed or if that's like Kellogg's advertising, but I do know that there's one person in our family who every morning has to have at least like two or three bowls of cereal. Just like you can't, uh, can't function without that, right? So maybe you're like a carbs breakfast person. I'm not pointing any fingers. Uh, um, there's, there's others uh, who just like don't need to eat very much. You know, they can just like glide through the middle of the morning till lunchtime. For me, what I've learned along the way is I need like protein, not too much. So I'll, I'll have maybe uh, some sausage and cheese or uh, if, if I have enough time, I'll make an egg or something like that. If I'm on the road, it's the number two breakfast meal at McDonald's, the sausage McMuffin with egg meal, like half brown small coffee. But um, we know the importance of breakfast, whatever you might choose to have breakfast. I find it fascinating. Jesus made breakfast for his friends. Like, you may not think fish for breakfast, but remember, they're by a body of water. That's what they lived and breathed. And so Jesus invites his friends to share a meal with them. And, and around that fire, around that food, he just sat with them. He shared life with them. Here's one thing I've learned about community. 
Uh, you can't fast-track relationships. Uh, you can't speed them up. They take time, usually unhurried time that you would set aside, sometimes over food, sometimes not. But when you invest time with the people that God has put in your lives, uh, those who are part of your family maybe, co-workers, neighbors, friends, when you invest time with them, when you hear their story, when you hear what they're celebrating and what maybe they're grieving, when you, when you enter into relationship with them, you find connection and community. You find support that you can't honestly get anywhere else. Because God has made us not to live in isolation and utter loneliness, but to live in community. And we see Jesus modeling for us that very thing with this meal. We also saw earlier that the early believers, after Jesus went to heaven, they continued doing just the same thing. This is a little section that we had Melissa read earlier. They, they were together. You see, I underlined some of these theme words. Sarah asked you to try to note to them. Uh, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to anyone as they had need. Right? This is an amazing thing. Just this generosity wells up when you share life and you have community. And so uh, they just took care of anyone's problems that they happened to see. Right? They just made sure that nobody was without and nobody was alone. And day by day, they assembled the temple together and they broke bread in their homes. You see the importance of food there and sharing life in community? And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. So what we see Jesus modeling with his disciples, we see uh, reflected also in the early church and it continues down to us as well. But here's also what we know to be true. There are all sorts of distractions to true community, and there may be even divisions that are caused by sin. I mentioned this before, right? Uh, we're not a perfect family, the St. Peter family. Uh, we make mistakes, each of us as individuals, all of us at times collectively. There's no one who's perfect on this planet except for Jesus, right? So sometimes... The distractions and the divisions are a result of careless words, harsh actions. Uh, sometimes the results of the distraction of pride where we get stuck on our own lives and our own wants and desires and, and we're not living first for others and people get hurt. Sometimes the way that pride works itself out is we're so worried about what somebody might say to us or about us that we just avoid them for a while instead of leaning into relationships that are hurt and broken. I want to encourage you and challenge you. I know this is what God's putting on my heart, just to lean into the spots that are hurting and broken and to seek peace and wholeness as best we can. Uh, because here's the thing. God doesn't want us to give up on these deep and, and these authentic and these powerful relationships, even if it is hard at times. Even if we've been hurt in our marriages, in our communities, even in our churches, God says, um, I didn't make you to live alone. I, I sought you out and I formed a family and I invited you into it through the waters of baptism. I, I meet you also in this meal we call communion, uh, his body and blood and bread and wine for your forgiveness in life. And I want you to share life with me both now and for forever. See, that's the beautiful thing, the way it all ends is we're reunited with our, our friends, our family, those who have gone before us in the faith, those who will follow after us. And, and the picture we get of forever is one of community that never ends. We're on a journey to that point. We have a lot to learn along the way. But God wants us to experience the blessing and the power that comes from life together with one another as his family here in this place. 
So that's where we're going to start, talking about the value of community, the importance of sharing life together. Uh, what we love to do here in worship is ask you to think about and even share if you're with someone else, uh, what's God stirring up in you? We do this through what we call our hear and practice questions. And uh, we sometimes will have unique questions for each weekend. For these four weeks, we're going to have the same two questions, and they're rooted in those two words, here in practice. And, and we're going to ask you to think about, and if you're on your own, just kind of reflect in your own mind. If you're with someone else, we invite you to share this with them. Um, what are you hearing from God in worship today? Through the songs, the scripture readings, through the message, what are you hearing? What's God saying to you? Maybe what's one word, a phrase, a thought, or an idea that's standing out? Right? So what's God saying to you? What are you hearing? And, and practice. What are you going to do next? Might he be stirring you to make a phone call to a friend or invite someone over or, or change a little of your rhythms to experience community a little more fully? Uh, what's one thing he's telling you? What do you hear? And what's one thing that he might want you to do next? Uh, think about that if you're on your own. Share that if you're with someone near you. And we'll take a couple minutes to do that before we continue our service.